Left hands up, Anthony. Yes, sir. show on the Team 980. <laughs> Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, Anthony, we, I, I just, so I'm, I'm at home, uh, doing the show from the home studio because it's a Friday and, uh, the boss is nice enough to let me do this on Fridays. And so we, we sign on the old video chat, which you can watch. Uh, one, we, we used to, when I would do the show from home, have a video chat before we had a live stream. Uh, because obviously I want to be able to see Anthony to talk to him. If he needs to give me a hand signal or something, we need to have, have eyes, uh, and technology allows us to do that. But, uh, pulled up the old video chat and, uh, Anthony had his hood up. So I decided that I also am going to do at least part of the show with my hood on, which is very silly looking. Cause my headphones are over my hood. I look like a total moron. You look kind of goofy. Why are we doing this? Uh, so I had my hood on because it was cold in here. Mm, um, I was afraid of that. It's also, we're still are working on the airflow situation in this, this loft that I do that I now call my home studio. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's definitely a little toasty up here. Oh, it like, it just happened probably because I have my hood on. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm dedicated to the bit. It is, it is hoodie season. We are in full effect. It is definitely hoodie but, season. But we're trending toward cold season for sure. We'll talk about the Dolphins and the Commanders, <laughs> I guess, because that's what we're supposed to do. Do y'all really want to hear about this game? Uh, like, what's at stake at this game? Murder? Like, we'll we'll talk about it. What's your favorite season? Summer, easily. Is just straight up like it's hot as hot as you know what out. It's more so. I mean, to be honest, I would probably lean spring, um, minus the rain because. It's cool. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's like just right. Fall is a little breezy, windy. You definitely got to, you know, throw on a hoodie. But the spring is like perfect. It is perfect. Fall it's like- and spring in D.C. are undefeated. Yeah. The problem is they each last about four days. Yeah. Where you get like really a perfect fall day, really a perfect spring. We got a, we got a nice fall this year, and then it got cold. It actually kind of got cold like on schedule. I was like, oh, no, it feels like the holidays. Yeah. And now it's miserable because I feel like it stayed really warm the last couple of years, but then it's been mad cold in like April. And I'm hoping since it got cold early this year that it will warm back up by like early March. Hopefully. That that seems to be a fair fair trade. Hopefully, but I I, I don't see it. I I think we're going to be cold in, in April as well. See, I like I don't mind hoodie season, um, but like long sleeve shirt and shorts is my favorite weather. When it's like that high fifties to mid sixties, and like you put on a nice long sleeve shirt, but you can still wear shorts, that is that's the sweet spot. I don't think I've ever successfully pulled that off, Craig. I don't think I've even attempted to do that. Um Part of the reason is I have lit- I have skinny legs, so I don't really like to expose my legs like that. <laughs> um, but also, if I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt, it's only right that I wear long pants as well. That's how I feel. That's how you see, but you're you're missing out on a tremendous opportunity because now it looks like you're dressed for fall at the top and dressed for summer at the bottom. Well, that's the thing is sometimes that's what the weather is. It's kind of in between. And I think pants and short sleeves are far more common. Yeah. I love I love a long sleeve and and like actually today I'm wearing because I'm wearing a hoodie over top. Yeah. I'm pretty sure underneath this I have a 
I couldn't see anything. That was a black hole as I looked inside. <laughs> There's no light down there. Um, there, I, I think I have a short sleeve shirt on. Yeah, I remember what shirt I'm wearing. Yeah, I, I have a short sleeve shirt and I'm wearing pants. But you know, normally, I like even walking around my house, I actually love that. Like a nice, comfy long sleeve or like a hoodie, and then just basketball shorts around the house. A plus, no notes. And I and I think I get cold really fast. So that's also probably you why do get I cold really fast, which it always it. amazes me when we're in the studio and it gets freezing and Anthony's like, "Oh yeah, it is cold." <laughs> but I'm in here in khakis already, though. I'm wearing khakis. I already it's got a my khaki polo. day. Yes, khakis in a polo. That that is the Anthony Haney uniform. It is indeed. It is indeed. Uh, believe it or not, based off the first seven minutes of this radio show, it's a football Friday on the Team 980, driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. All right, Anthony, the all-important question on a Friday, what's at stake for the Commanders? Is there anything at stake for the Commanders? So, Craig, and I said this right before our show. Yeah. The Commanders still have a chance to make the playoffs. And I know a lot of people don't think we're good enough, but I'm just saying we still have a chance. Okay. And in each of Ron Rivera's first three seasons, we've somehow, some way, pulled off a crazy win. Last year, it was the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, it was the Steelers. The year before that, year one, who do we beat? Was it the Bucks? I think? I don't know. I'm mixing up the years. But improbable wins. Yeah, 2020, to, you had the Bucks where you beat Brady. Yeah. Improbable, improbable or wins. Or 21. To say the least. Brady. Yes. Yeah. So we haven't had one of those wins thus far. Barely and had I'm any not, wins at all. Ex- that too. So I'm just thinking, is this the week we do it, correct? Because I don't think we have a chance against the 49ers at all. I don't think we have a chance. Oh, we could probably beat the Rams. probably beat the Jets. I'd say the Rams the Rams wouldn't qualify, the Jets wouldn't qualify yeah. for like the big upset. Yeah. It's either you beat Dallas if they've got something to play for or you beat these guys. Yeah. Um or the 49ers. Um I think of the 3, Dallas is the most likely despite what happened last week because it's division game and wacky things happen yep. and yada yada yada. Um I think this Miami team is built to smash Washington, if I'm being totally honest, which makes it all the more likely that the dumbest possible outcome will happen. And the thing is, like, if you watch the league, and we we do, right? How many weeks do we go one, two, three, team A, and then team B comes in and smokes them, and we're like, we didn't even talk about that game because the idea that team B could have won didn't cross our minds. Yep. And so that is definitely this game. It's a little bit of a stinky fish line-wise. I think it's still sitting at nine and a half. It was last time that I checked uh, earlier today. And they the, they, the Dolphins, should be favored by 15. Like, they just should. They, they put up a ton of points. I know they, they're not as good on the road. They're not as good in cold weather. Um, but, like, schematically, they are built to beat the commanders to smithereens. So, like, for me, what's at stake this weekend is, like, can you prove that you have a backbone? And to what end? I don't know. Like, again, the season's technically not over, but all but over. Really, most most realistically, sorry to say it, the thing that's most at stake this weekend 
is accidentally winning and screwing up your draft position. Yep. Um, and, and we'll talk about, you know, we always do keys to the game, and we're going to do it through the lens of, like, how did the commanders win? We'll do that next. But realistically, I think, can you show some improvement defensively with Rivera simplifying things and Del Rio gone? Offensively, there's always something at stake with Sam. Like, can you go toe-to-toe? Like, to me, it's like, can you can you avoid a turnover fest? Because you're probably going to be pressing a little bit because the game flow might be out of whack for you. The DBs in Miami are sick. Like, Javon Holland's awesome. Xavier uh, and Howard. Two days in a row. We might not see uh, Holland. Okay, so that would be that would be a, a coup. Um, game statuses should be out any moment. So we'll I'll actually check that in the break. They might have just dropped. Typically, they drop about this time. So we'll check that in the break. Um, but Howard's fantastic. And then Jalen Ramsey's still very much Jalen Ramsey. Like, what a player that guy is. And he's a ball hawk. And so... If you're Sam, can you generate big plays and not have them be for your team, not the other team? Like that's what's at stake is the continual growth and development, to use the the pet terms of Ron Rivera, of Sam Howell. And is that is that ultimately going to show itself? Will there be opportunity? Will it be like a, a throw fest? Like I don't know. Um, but it, this this feels this feels like a just get it over with and get to the bye week. And then let's see what happens the week after. And like, okay, let's evaluate how the defense did. Not not to be like, oh, if Ron turns it around, is he going to keep his job? But like, can we evaluate some of these players? Can you get Emmanuel Forbes back, who's not going to play this week? But Rivera said if they were playing next week, would be able to go. Um, so he'll certainly be back in two weeks, barring some kind of setback in practice. So I am this week, if they can show some pride, if they can show a backbone, if they can show some competitiveness, that would be great. Everything else above that is a bonus. But please don't win the game because you're on track for a top five pick, and that would be way more important for the future of the franchise. And that's I'm, just my own personal opinion. And I think it's on Ron as well to you know show that he has a backbone. I think last week against Dallas, we had like fourth and two on like the first or second drive, and he opted to punt for it. I'm yeah, just like, that dude, was a bad strategy. Be aggressive, man. Like, what's not even being aggressive? It's like, don't be, don't be wrong. Don't you know? play for field position against a highly pulled off. It, it doesn't matter because guess what? They drove the field literally also, eleven know plays. Know your own personnel. Joey Sly can kick a sixty-yard field goal. Exactly. He's Joey Sly. So I think it's also on the coaches too. No, I I agree with that. Well, that's one of, again yet another reason from a strategy standpoint why he's not going to be here next year. Yes. All right, it's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. So if the commanders are going to somehow pull this off, what will it look like? Uh, we'll do that, and we'll probably not have our hoods still on next. It's the Hoffman Show, the Team 980, and always streaming live on YouTube as well at the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. All right, the good news, uh, hood update. Anthony and I are no longer wearing our hoods. If you're watching on YouTube, you see that. Um, that was apparently enough to just wreck my hair, Anthony. Now I, I we're, a, we're a mess up here. What are we doing? Are That's you supposed better. to be getting a haircut soon? Did, did Rachel say something earlier? No. No, the hair the hair's fine. It's just messy at the moment because I had a hood on because I was doing a wacky bit, and this is what I get for doing bits. Oh, I thought I saw something on Instagram. Let me see. Oh, no, I – I so this morning we went uh, shopping – for her birthday gift um we she wanted she used to have a really nice camera and she it got lost in a move and so we went 
uh, for her birthday, which is on Tuesday. Um, me and her mom and some other of our family members are all pooled in and are going to get her a very nice camera, which she now has because we went shopping for it this morning. It's one of those things where it's like, I could get you the thing and guess, or, uh, by the way, uh, men, ladies, everybody who's ever going to buy a gift, make sure you get your, your, whoever you're buying the gift for, even if they're going to go shopping for it and get them something to open. So I got a disposable camera. Shout out to my mom for the idea. So she was able to open the disposable camera. And then I was like, this is a proxy gift. We're going to go get you a very nice camera again. And so we went and got the camera. Um, and she was like, I'm going to take so many pictures. And I realized that the picture she took of me, which was with her iPhone, not the nice camera, um, my hair was a disaster. So really, I guess I'm just having a bad hair day, Anthony, is what I've realized. Uh, it looks a lot better than from earlier. Yeah, getting it. It was kind of bedheady earlier. It's like ah. I can't believe, can't believe I left the house like that. <laughs> what am I doing, amateur? Uh, anyway, apropos of none of that, it's a football Friday. Jervin, buy your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. Adam Amin, Fox Sports, will join us coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, Dolphins injury report. We were talking about this in the last segment as we get to our keys to the game here in just a moment. Um, they don't rule anybody out. Uh, so Javon Holland, uh, who we were talking about DNP Wednesday, Thursday, he's questionable for the game after being a limited participant today. Um, you had like Tyreek Hill earlier in the week, uh, DNP limited every day, but he's, he's got no game status. Like ha they have so many guys that are on the, uh, the injury list, but don't have game status. So a chain is, uh, you no, know, most are like all these guys. Tua are, are technically on the injury report. They had seventeen, but or yeah, I wasn't gonna That's do the insane. counting. But thank you for doing that. Uh, they do have five guys who are questionable. Um, you got Teron Armstead. They're starting left tackle. He is questionable. Lester Cotton, one of their starting guards, questionable. He's been sick. Holland, Robert Jones, their other guard. Uh, is or one of their other guards limited questionable. One of their other tackles um, is questionable with a back injury. So their their O line is not actually very good. Um, and that's kind of uh something that most people probably wouldn't guess. But the thing is, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the year with Sam. If you have a mediocre offensive line and pass protection wise, right? Like obviously they're running the heck out of the ball. Some of that is schematics and speed. Um, but thorough line deserves tremendous credit for that as well. Um, but if you get rid of the ball quickly, you can hide about a line. And if you hold the ball forever, you can expose a mediocre O line. And that's the commanders earlier this year. Sam holds the ball forever. He runs into sacks. He doesn't move well within the pocket and you're giving up five, six, seven, eight, nine sacks a game. Uh, all of a sudden, Sam starts doing that stuff better, and it's still not great. You're giving up three to five sacks a game, but three to five is way better than five to ten. Meanwhile, Tua doesn't have the world's best O-line, and you hear some of it. Like, if you watch the in-season hard knocks, uh, which the Dolphins are featured in, the first two episodes are out now, um, you hear the criticism of Tua amongst national folks of like, hey, when this dude gets off his first read, it's not good. If you can prevent the first read, then you can you can cause some havoc for this Miami offense. And the reason is the O line doesn't hold up. Like you can get pressure on them because Tua gets rid of the ball on average in two point three seconds. Two point three. That's crazy. But what happens when he doesn't? 
And that's, that's the thing that becomes a truly, within the context of a game, life-or-death situation for this commander's defense to me, Anthony, because if you can shut down the first read, get pressure, you can get sacks. If you shut down the first read and you don't get pressure, and now you're in an off-schedule scramble situation, you're now having to chase a bunch of 4-2 guys all over the freaking field. And good luck with that stuff. Good luck chasing Tyreek Hill off schedule. Good luck chasing Jalen Waddell off schedule. It's a bad, bad formula. So as much as any game they've played this season, there is huge pressure to marry the coverage and the rush in a way that, for instance, Dallas did beautifully last week and is what makes their defense special and that Washington has not done all freaking year. Yeah, I think also just because Tua's ability, you know, get the ball out really quickly, I think this presents opportunities for our defensive tackles, our, you know, our ends, you know, get their hands up. Mm-hmm. Since we've traded Chase and Montez, I think we've had one sack and, you know, like eight quarterback pressures. So I'm not expecting us to, you know, sack Tua a whole bunch. But if we can get our hands up, you know, get our hands in those passing lanes, deflect some passes, I think that can maybe help our coverage. Because, again, it is going to be tough to, you know, guard a Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, And then also with Tua getting the ball out, it's going to be tough to defend. So we got yeah. we got to play some type of complimentary football on the defensive side. Well, it also goes to, like, how is Ron going to approach this with the DBs and, and the new, you know, interim assistant that they hired from Michigan State and Christian Garcia, um, the interim DBs coach, like, if you know you've jammed up the first read, like, are you going to play a little bit more press? Like, are you going to get up in a way that Jack never seemed to have these DBs get? You know, Benjamin St. Juice likes to be physical, likes to use his hands. But when you play off all the time, the second you make contact, it's illegal contact. Yep. Like, can't do that. So is jamming Tyreek Hill easy? No, he's so quick. Like, you're going you're gonna to punch air a couple times. But can you, can you disrupt the timing of Tyreek, of Jalen Waddle, of the rest of the guys that they got, that becomes the question. And if you do, and Tua has to hold it, can you get a pass rush? And this is an area where I think Ron should be a major upgrade over Del Rio. Del Rio is so bad at just making guys line up. Like, you're the five technique, you're the three technique, you're the one technique, and then you're the other five. And you guys are going to line up, and you're going to rush. No moving guys around, no creating different angles, no advantageous overloads. Like, they would run some pressures. And I think Jack, his final, ironically, some of his last couple of games were some of his better called games. But, again, like, the talent wasn't there at that point because they had traded Chase and Montez, and they just never did any other stuff to try to create better one-on-ones and better matchups and better situations for Allen and Payne. And they just kind of got by in previous years on that talent. And I think Rivera more so believes in let's let's slide this guy over to a four eye, line him head up on a guard, and create a ma- and then like jam a- and, and play him next to a shade. And we're gonna jam up one side and we're gonna force one on ones. We're gonna force a slide away from an end to get him a one on one. Like he's gonna create more as much as he can in a week to like coach up some of this stuff. Cause I don't know how much of this is like, Hey, in certain situations, I need you guys to do this on your own versus, Hey, we're going to call this, but 
philosophically, Ron certainly is more believing of that, and and hopefully they can get some more matchups up front to generate pressure this week. And then you can also obviously use your linebackers. Like you can use Davis and and, and Barton as blitzers. You can also bring your Quans, your Cams out of the back. Um, you know, you can blitz Percy. I would imagine you, see, you might see some corner pressure as well. Like there's stuff you can do to create pressure. The problem is against Miami, every extra guy you bring is one less guy you have to chase in coverage. And so it is imperative to get your timing right. It's imperative to get that stuff right. And if you can create pressure with four by not just saying, hey, guys, go win. we got to get pressure with four. But you actually do something to create the pressure with that four, with alignment and, and stunts and stuff like that then you got a much better chance of containing this offense to a, a pace that you at least can keep up with with your own offense. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. When we get back, Logan Paulson's take on the game. It is a take command Friday here on the Hoffman Show. Then do not miss this at 445 before Adam Amin joins us at 5. Josh Harris spoke yesterday at a sports business journal conference some very very interesting comments including he said one thing that proves he knows more about the nfl than dan snyder ever did that's coming at 445 on the team 980 it's the hoffman show on the team 980 always live as well on the free odyssey app and coming up at 5 o'clock, Adam Amin will join us from Fox Sports, fresh off his production meetings with Ron Rivera, Sam Howe, Eric Bieniemy, et cetera, out in Ashburn. Uh, so Adam will join us and fill us in on what he talks about with the heads of the commanders and give his take on the game on Sunday. Uh, coming up also in 15 minutes, we got Josh Harris speaking at a sports business conference. Some very interesting comments. But right now, Logan Paulson's thoughts on this Dolphins-Commanders matchup. It's Take Command on a Friday. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here. We will be at Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor. To preview this game coming up on Sunday, doors open at 11. Show starts at 10 so whether you are coming hang out with us in person or you are just listening or watching uh the radio odyssey app youtube uh make sure that you check us out on sunday morning okay the offense for washington i would love to see them generate some big plays themselves that has been the thing that has been missing the last couple of weeks this miami defense doesn't get talked about a lot because the offense gets talked about ad nauseum uh but they're they've got some some really talented guys and they've been playing pretty well on that side of the ball as well yeah, one hundred percent. I think you know they were they were kind of okay, and then Jalen Ramsey came back, and they were were really good. You know, they they got a guy that understands that scheme at a high level, and he's playing good football. And then they've got some like Howard on the other side's good football player, Holland in the back end at the safety, and they've got guys. Those all those guys I just mentioned have tremendous ball skills. And one thing about a Vic Fangio defense is they are going to play coverage. They're going to kind of dare you to run the football, and they have guys that understand what they're doing back there really, really well. And they can disguise coverage as well. Their man looks like they're six. Their six looks like they're three. And they're always going to – the one thing I would say is constant with this group is that they do a really good job of making sure they have numbers in coverage situations. So you got three receivers. They're going to have four defenders. you got two receivers. They're going to have three, right? They're always going to be a little bit light and run support because of it. But their defensive line has been playing really good, specifically Wilkins inside is one of the best def interior defensive players in the NFL. 
And um, they do a good job of creating pressure with four. And they do blitz a lot on third down. They bring some exotic stuff and make it challenging. But when I look at, uh, and I think Jalen Phillips being out number fifteen for yeah. them is a big, yeah, big loss a, for them last week. Went down in that uh, that Black Friday game, and obviously that's tough for them. You know, I feel bad for Jalen, but obviously that's good for the Commanders because he was a big reason they were able to consistently generate pressure. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be tough, I think, for Sam. This is like one of the tougher defenses, you know, kind of. The, you know, Vic Fangio is the godfather of modern defense, essentially, over the last probably five or six years. So right. he's really good at it. And they're really and he's got guys who are really good at it. And it's going to be a challenge for Sam, quite frankly, to to make sure he's dialed in. Every defense has some sort of weakness, though, a, a potential exposure area. What is it like when, when teams attack a Vic Fangio defense successfully? Where are they able to to tear it apart? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting because they've done really good jobs against good football teams. They held Kansas City, I think, to uh, 21 points, something like that. Um, lots of defensive scores. They held Philly, I think, to 24. Like, they do a good job, man. They're, they're really yeah. good. And I, what I'd say in terms of exposure is uh, he's gonna he's daring you to run the ball. He's daring you to do it. So run the ball, get them out of those complicated coverage structures in the back end, force them to declare what they're showing you, and then pick them apart. I think it's kind of a mistake, at least I would think right now. And again, I haven't watched as much film as EB has, but I would think it's a mistake to try and throw the fo- come out throw like throwing the football the way that they've done the past couple of weeks. I think you want to slow this game down, possess the football, run the heck out of the ball. And again, and you know, we've talked about our beliefs on running the football, running the football, converting on converting on first down or third down, excuse me, is going to be a big part of this game. But I think that's something you really want to see. Efficient running. Don't go crazy throwing the ball out the gate because you need to simplify what they're doing defensively and then try to stay out of third down because they they get even more exotic on third down. So um, this is a very good defense, very disciplined defense, well-coached defense. Not um, It's not like the Giants, which is like this crazy, you know, it's it's challenging in a different way. It's challenging in its nuance. It's challenging in the pictures it presents. So I think it's going to be a really, really interesting barometer for Sam, especially after we were talking about kind of all the things we want to see from him. Like, can you read coverages? Can you mm. get through your progressions? And there'll be an opportunity to do this. But just remember, these dudes that I just mentioned, the, the DBs specifically, are excellent at disguising it and excellent at passing stuff off and ex- excellent at executing it. So. Did you have coaches that when you played a team with a bunch of ball hawks would like basically tell you to be or tell the quarterbacks to be more risk averse or do you have to let guys play? Because I feel like that's a fine line yeah. it, when you, you know, it, it's a little bit of a, hey, uh, don't think about a pink elephant, you know, type of thing where if you're like, hey, be really careful, they'll intercept you. You get too cautious and you don't see something that you're supposed to because you're not playing free. You're not reading it out. You're not going through your process with the mental clarity that you typically would. But at the same time, you do need to be extra cautious and maybe think twice about throwing that deep ball because the chances of an interception versus just an incompletion are a little bit higher. Um, but you also don't want, again, miss opportunities. So there's this constant seesaw balance. So uh, against a super aggressive ball hawking type of defense, how did, how did your coaches typically handle that? So, yeah, usually you'd say it depends on who it is, but like um... – you know, they'd probably make reference to a guy that's got a bunch of interceptions and the duration and the type of interceptions that he's had. And when I say duration, like when were they? Were they early in the season? Were they late in the season? Probably go over the type of plays they were on. And then they'll tell you whether they think they're legitimate interceptions or not. And I think that's always something that is really interesting when it comes to 
that stuff. It's like when the coach says these aren't real, like it's a tip pass or the receiver fell down, like we don't think he's that good. Like Trayvon Diggs, when he was a rookie, he had a couple picks and he had six picks. I remember Kyle was like, he has six picks, but we're going to dice this guy up. You know, like, and that was his like approach. So like, it didn't matter to him. The picks didn't matter at all. He's like, we're going to make him be a rookie. And then there's other guys where are like, oh, like Jalen Ramsey's got five picks and, you know, he gave up a touchdown last week, but like, we're going to be aware of where he's at on the field. And, you know, like quarterback, don't stress about it, but we're going to make sure we, we kind of have a vision on what, what he's doing. And we're going to concept, we're going to, we're going to call concepts to make sure we're not, we're, we're not putting you in a bad spot, you know? So the quarterback doesn't have to worry about it, but definitely the coaching staff's aware of it. If, if they deem the guy um, talented enough, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see what they do because I, I think that there is probably a desire to generate some of those big plays down the field that they haven't had. But at the same time, like you said, just being smart, running the football, you know, keeping because the other thing too is like the game flow situation. I feel like is so important because Miami oh. is so explosive, and if they just get out ahead, and it's not like some teams where if they start running the football too early, like they you can get back into the game. Like if Miami starts running it like i almost feel like that's game over i almost rather them try to pass the ball and dink and dunk it and see if you can frustrate them and tackle in space although you know obviously there's no the problem with miami is there's no good answers you're just you're just facing a juggernaut in all phases and that's why they're one of the best teams in football and they they are extremely balanced in all facets like there's not a great area to attack them with your offense and they are very good running and passing with their offense. And that just makes for a long day unless you're their equal, which is why they've only yeah. lost to some of the best teams in the league. Yeah, hundred percent. And I also think the other thing you see in the, in the bills game and the Eagles game is turnovers, turnovers hurt them. And it was yeah. fumbles when, uh, in the bills game and, you know, Raheem, I played with him in San Fran and he is as explosive as you can think of, right. He's one of the most explosive guys in football. He's yeah, awesome. Most dude. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And, um, but he does fumble the ball. He like, that's been an issue since I've known him. I, I played with him when he was a, like a second year in Chicago, I was with him. And that was something they always talked about with him, like protecting the ball, protecting the ball. So you can get some there. Right. And Tua yeah. has been pretty fastidious with the football, but he's also made some kind of bad decisions. Like if you look at the Philly game, the reason they win that game is because they get a late Philly gets a late interception in the red zone. And then Jalen hurts and that Philly offense possessed the football and they win the game. So capitalize on those moments i think they had two he had two turnovers against kansas city or something like that so mm-hmm. that's a huge part of this and and i hate that as analysis because the question is how do you create those turnovers you know what right. i'm saying and that's where ron has to earn his paycheck but i do think when you look at offensively like there is a roadmap and i think it's it's a little bit more simplistic when you really look at it it's like take away the first read compress the throwing window and make them hold the football a little bit and that and it seems like that's oh that's very common but in this case because the o-line is so inconsistent like you can get some good stuff happening off of that so i do think there's a path but like you said i think this defense has not played very well you know they haven't stopped yeah. the run well they haven't defended the pass well so is that and something they haven't gotten pressure and is and that they something they don't press so right. like it's asking them to do a bunch of stuff that they haven't done the path might be there but uh, by the way, also you slip up and you you try to press and you're on Tyree Kill and then you miss one tackle on well, a slant and good night. That was another thing that really stood out to me is the reliance of these teams on their safeties in these games. You could see the corners like talking and pointing and waving guys over and and it's the the communication level was so high. They're so aware of what they're having to do here because they're up 
pretty tight. They're not pressing all the time, but they're within five yards. They're trying to take away that slant. They're trying to t- take away the five yard out, all that kind of stuff. And so they're really relying on those guys in the back end to make them right. And to again, to this kind of general point, you know, Percy has done some good things the last three weeks. He's also given up some big plays, right? right. So can they, can this simplified defense that Ron has been talking about allow these guys to play fast and be in the right position? Big if, big if yeah. for sure. Big if, and he's only had one week to install it, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll talk about all this and more with Mark Schlereth next here on Take Command. And obviously, if you want to hear the interview with Schlereth, you can check out the Take Command podcast now available on demand wherever you get your podcasts. That is, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, or on YouTube at 106.7 The Fan. The Schlereth interview is actually also on my YouTube page, at Craig Hoffman. Uh, Also, reminder, I would love to know if we made your Spotify or Apple Music wrapped, uh, like your end-of-year podcast, whether it's the Hoffman Show podcast or Take Command. If you did, uh, share it with us. Just would love to know who our top listeners are, who's checking in. Uh, with us every day or multiple times a week in, uh, in terms of take command, uh, share it. We'll, we'll throw you a retweet, et cetera, uh, at Craig Hoffman on Twitter uh, or at Craig underscore Hoffman on Instagram. When we get back, Josh Harris's comments from the Sports Business Journal event he spoke at yesterday, including why I feel great about him understanding the it of the NFL. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up at the top of the hour. I didn't mean to, Anthony, just kind of drop out with the beat there. That was that was an accident, but we did it. That's all good, man. Come coming up. I mean, it was a happy accident. Yeah. We just kind of drop out mm-hmm. and tell you that Adam Amin is coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, right now, though, uh, I want to let you hear a little bit from Josh Harris. He spoke yesterday. Nikki Javala did a tremendous job of transcribing a lot of this. If you want to just read some more of the quotes that we won't have time to get to uh, on her Twitter page. So go add Nikki Javala um, for that. But uh, Josh spoke at a, uh, at a sports business journal event yesterday, and he had – a couple of different things that he was talking about. And this is the one that I think most caught my attention where he described what he wants this Washington commanders franchise to be. And in doing so said something about his philosophy that proves he understands the NFL in a way that Dan Snyder simply never did. What we want to do is create uh, a culture in Washington where Players around the NFL say, uh, this is where we want to play. We want to play in this place. Uh, we want to create a culture in Washington where the best and the brightest uh, executives, business, uh, coaches, uh, front office, everyone, uh, marketing people, they say, we want to be at this place. And so to do that, right, it's, you have to treat people well. You can have high expectations. Uh, but people have to say that, you know, we want to be part of this. And so that's why you have to be, I think, measured with what you do. And even though in sports, right, there's pressure, right? Like, you know, uh, there's pressure from the public. Uh, but they're not, they're, people aren't always, always thinking about that long game of what you're trying to accomplish. And what we're trying to accomplish is we want to have a elite teams that consistently compete with championship, for championships. You know, you need a little luck to win championships a lot of times, but if you get a lot of at-bats, you're eventually going to get there. And so to get there, you need all the best people. It's a long journey, but we're 
get to. There's no uh, shortcuts to the top. There's shortcuts to the middle. You want to you want to you want to you want to be eight and eight? I can get you there quickly. Right, eight eight one. If you want to be great, there's no shortcuts. That last part is so critically important because it cuts through what I'm going to call the illusion of progress. It is easy in the NFL to go between six and nine wins. It's just not that hard. You sign some solid football players, you get a decent quarterback, and you get a modicum of luck when it comes to health, you can get right around 500 in this league very easily. That is what they've been under Ron Rivera. You have Taylor Heineke, who's borderline competent with a solid uh, group of defensive players, no real stars uh, or no real like blue chip superstars. You can, you can be eight and eight. You can be in the mix. You can compete week in and week out. And the problem is that is an illusion that you're close. You're not close. You need something to be elite. It doesn't have to be quarterback, but that's the best thing. The easiest way to be elite in this league, the teams that have been in the mix the last five years consistently are wherever Brady was before he retired, the Chiefs, the Bills, who are down this year, but the Bills have been in the mix, the Bengals, and then the exception kind of to that rule is the 49ers. Obviously, the Rams have been in and out when Stafford was healthy. Like, they were in when he wasn't. They were out. But they had elite players all over the field. And the Niners, like, they're they're elite at basically everything but quarterback. Their skill positions are elite. Their scheme is elite. Their defense is elite. And so they compete. Like, for real compete. 10-plus wins a year and a chance to win a playoff game and would not be surprised to be in the Super Bowl compete. The Dolphins now are a team that is hopefully going to be messing around with, with the AFC title game. They, they're hoping to. And why? Because they've got elite players. And that's, that's the, the jig being up for Rivera. And Harris isn't directly saying that. I actually think the first part of Harris's quote is more directive towards Rivera, saying there's a time when change has to happen, but we want to be an organization where people want to be, and that means conducting yourself a certain way, which is why he hasn't blown everybody out to appease the short-term happiness of fans who will be just as pissed if he screws up the next hire no matter when he fires Ron. And so because of that, because he's got this long-term view, and because that long-term view is there are no shortcuts to the top, only to 8-8. Eight and eight. He won't fall, at least he shouldn't, if he really understands what this looks like. He shouldn't fall for the crap that a lot of coaches and executives can pull over other owners because they, hey, we're 8-8, we're, eight eight, we're on the way. We just need to get lucky on an injury. We need to get one more guy. No, you don't. You built a mediocre football team, and it's not that hard. Can you build a winner? And that's the question that Josh Harris is going to ask the next executive. The next executive is going to ask the next coach. The next coach is going to ask the next coordinators and on down the line throughout the organization. And if the answer is yes, great. Hopefully we'll have a, a parade or, or two. And if not, 
then they'll start over and they will tear it down or build on the pieces that are good, but they won't settle in the middle and confuse that for success. The confuse, don't, don't confuse mediocrity for growth. That doesn't mean you might not pass eight and eight on the way to 10 and six or 10 and seven or 11 and six. Cause now they play 17 games. But if you live there for a, more than a year, certainly more than two, you haven't built something that's growing. You've built a mediocre team. Congrats. You're just like everybody else. It's the Hoffman show. We're on the team 980, always live as well on the free odyssey app. And my good friend, Adam Amin, play-by-play for Fox Sports, is on the call this weekend of Commanders and Dolphins. He'll join us next.